Hello, can you hear me okay? Excellent. Um, I just want to apologize ahead of time. This is my first time speaking with a headset mic, and uh, I need to like channel my inner pop star a little bit, but I also don't know what to do with my hands because I'm not holding a mic. So if you ever need a laugh, just try and pay attention to see what I'm doing with my hands because uh, I have a friend who preaches like this regularly and he uh, ended, ends up just sort of like hugging himself just so he doesn't go all crazy. But uh, anyway, if you need a little bit of laugh, that's, that's a good way to get a good laugh is just find out what I'm doing with my hands in that moment. Uh, anyway, yeah. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, LCF, for having me. I'm really happy to be here and really thankful to have the opportunity to share some of the work that we do here at Flatland. Um, so yeah, Flatland is a Youth for Christ Center, and what that means is we just exist to see every young person living fully in Christ. And uh, we do that in a growing number of ways. And um, really how we do that. How do we see every young person in Landmark living fully in Christ? Maybe not just the hard kids and not just the good church kids and not just the in-between kids and not just the shy kids, but how do we uh, exist to see every young person living fully in Christ? And um, we do that by engaging as many kids as possible and equipping them to know and follow Jesus. And fundamentally, it takes the place of events, right? Um, trips, volunteering, mentorship, drop-in nights. Um, we really just want to be Jesus to the next generation, right? We want to get in their lives, get in their mess, get in their struggle, and encourage them to know and follow Jesus with everything they have. Uh, some questions are like, what, what would it take to help a child to become a disciple of Jesus, help a student to become a disciple of Jesus. Um, there's just some things that I bring and uh, there's some heart of mission that has been in me for a long time and it kind of comes from James chapter one. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, that's where we're going to be talking from. Um, but like, we need to see them as Jesus sees them. We need to treat them as Jesus would treat them and then we need to be in their lives, right? So first off, we need to see them and we need to see sin's effects on their life, right? Um, death, where is your victory? Hell, where is your sting? As Christians, we know that, right? We can say sin has no power in my life, but what about this person's life? Where does sin have power in their life and how can I help them to break it? Um, we need to see them as God's child, we need to see them as needing to be restored with compassion and with hope. We need to bring so much hope. Um, yeah, we need to treat them as Jesus would, with action to combat sin's power, um, with kind words, with food, with safe space, with hospitality, with truth, with actual truth from God's good word, um, helping everyone to recognize sin and recognize repentance and know that through that journey, they become God's children. Uh, and finally, with the words of Jesus, making disciples and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded, not all that I want to see, not all that the wonderful good people of Landmark want to see, but everything that Jesus wants them to be doing. Uh, and we're meant to walk alongside people, 
Disciple-making takes a lot of time and takes a lot of opportunity, right? I need to be as, we all need to be as present in the lives of the next generation uh, and give ourselves as many opportunities to have a moment, right? In a, in a world where um, Christians are judged and in a world where uh, people expect me as a Christian to come with extra motives and, you know, I'm going to get a, a notch on my belt and I saved one for the Lord today. I'm never going to talk to this person again after that. Um, where people come, where people see us as coming with, oh, well, you need to act this, this way, this way, and this way in order for me to be in relationship with you. Um, we need to do everything we can to break those down. And uh, so there's some, there are some keys to success. There are some ways that we can actually make this happen. Um, the first thing is we need to be completely saturated in prayer, right? So uh, I have four kids, right? And uh, kids get into messes and they make messes and all of these wonderful things. And uh, when I talk about saturated in prayer, I get this picture of, uh, of a toilet roll. So, uh, <laughs> toilet paper roll. So, uh, my kids, I have two older girls who generally don't do this, and two younger boys who are always in the bathroom making a mess, right? <laughs> They're four and two, and there's that little contraption spring-loaded arm that holds a toilet paper roll in place, and it's just an endless amount of entertainment for them, right? The amount of times I'm running through the living room because I hear the bathroom door close, and I'm like, oh no, what's about to happen, right? And uh, so when I think about being saturated in prayer, I think about that toilet roll, toilet paper roll that my son put in the toilet, right? And I have to pull it out, and this thing is like five times bigger than it normally is, and it's way heavier than it normally is because it's saturated in the toilet water, which is kind of gross, right? Um, but that's how we should be in prayer. We as workers, as missionaries to the kids in Landmark, we really need to be saturated in prayer. We need to grow, we need to become weightier, have more authority, really push uh, our capacity and really grow in prayer so that we can reach these kids in different ways. Uh, We need staff, myself included, and volunteers uh, that are cared for and empowered to do the ministry work that God has called them specifically to do, right? Um, we run drop-in nights, and we run, uh, we will be running some camping trips and fishing trips and lots of different things, crochet clubs, and uh, not everyone is called to be a drop-in worker, and not everyone is called to 8 a.m. devos. Um, Even some of the students that really want to come to 8 a.m. devos don't feel called, right, because they really enjoy their sleep. Uh, (laughs) But as my role as uh, as sort of the caretaker of Flatland, the caretaker of the youth for Christ in Landmark, to empower as many people to reach the next generation, right? Um, Yeah, and as missionaries, it's our job to uh, sort of cover our our salary so that the organization doesn't always carry that load, right? So that everyone is free to go and do the ministry that God has called them specifically to do. Um, And then it looks like landmark-specific youth programming, right? Um, There's always great ideas in the youth work world, right? There's always, oh, wow, look at this huge conference. Look at this really cool gym. Look at this really great, awesome idea. And it really takes someone who 
is connected to God and knows Landmark well and takes people who know Landmark well um, to have Landmark-specific youth programming. It's not just a mosaic of ideas from elsewhere, but I can tell you honestly, it's a collection of staff and volunteers who get together regularly to pray so that we partner with the work that God is doing specifically in Landmark, specifically for the next generation growing up here. Um, so saturated in prayer, cared for staff and uh, volunteers, Landmark-specific youth programming, and partnerships. Partnerships with churches, partnerships with uh, other Christian organizations, partnerships with just the Christian community in Landmark um, to go and reach the next generation. And that looks like volunteer time, that looks like raising money, that looks like, hey, I just need someone to do security for this night where all of a sudden we have 52 kids and I need to be able to call somebody to be like, can you go hang out at the park? Just, just cover it, <laughs> you know? Um, and really it looks like going to the Bible and it really looks like hearing what God has asked us and tasked us to do so that we can do the work that partner with him and the work that he's doing in Landmark. And my favorite book of the Bible is James. So when Larry asked and I was like, what am I going to speak about? Usually my default is to go to the book of James. So uh, I'm just going to read it and then we can kind of go from there. And it says, James 1, to 27. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, it's the law of Jesus and freedom there, um, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. But pure, but pure and genuine religion in the sight of God means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And uh, that last line has always, it's like it became a heart verse for me, right? Caring for the widows and orphans and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Um, as we think about widows and orphans in uh, ancient Israel or even widows and orphans today, there's a tremendous amount of need, right? Uh, I would say in that day, even more, because your source of income, identity, inheritance, hope for the future came from who your father was, right? The inheritance of the land of Israel primarily was passed down through tribes, through connected to, I'm so-and-so's son. This is, this is my future. And um, when we look at what does widows and orphans mean today, right? There's a tremendous amount of foster kids in Landmark. I don't know if you know that. There's a lot of kids who go to the school right across the street that really need us to be in their lives. There's single parents who really need us to be uh, providing the support so these kids can grow up in healthy environments. But there's also that loss of identity where even someone who grows up in church can not have a good connection with the father and lose their identity. Um, and then it gets replaced by other identities, right? We are in a crisis of identity. 
gender identity, sexual identity, who am I, who am I related to, I'm gonna cut off my family and create my own friend family, and how do we as Christians go and intertwine ourselves in that? Another translation of the Bible says, visit orphans and widows in their affliction, right? Um, visit those who are being held by sin's power and share the good news of Jesus. So we need to help people who have lost their identity, their family identity, general ident um, gender identity, and their spiritual orphans. So those are the people to help, right? Those are, that is true religion. Moving forward from I've got me in my circle to this person needs my help. And how do I identify those people? It's the person with identity question. The person growing up in a home where they just don't have a good parent at home, right? Dad moved out years ago and mom is home part-time. And uh, I was talking to two girls. They're 18 and 16. So 18 is old enough to rent a house, but still in grade 12. And uh, yeah, mom is home Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. And then she's with her significant other all the other time. And these two girls are virtually left to raise themselves. And they came in to me because there was a big conflict issue in and around the kids who come to Flatland and I just asked everyone to take a break while we sort through it and let tempers calm down. And so they were coming in to uh, have that moment where it was like, okay, let's let tempers have calmed. I need to make sure you're not gonna fight here. I need to make sure you're safe. I need to make sure you're okay. I need to visit you in your affliction. And they say, virtually, they're orphans, right? A mom who is home two hours or four hours of the week and a dad who they do not know is uh, incredibly, incredibly tough. I need my mom. As a 32-year-old man, I need to call my mom, <laughs> you know? Like, there is really a tremendous amount of need. Um, so the Bible tells us to go and be doers of the word. And uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and uh, we need to be like Jesus. Really, we need to follow his example. Uh, first, that's staying close to the Father. For you and I, and for your children and grandchildren, and for my children, I pray that they stay close to the Father, right? Um, they need to refuse to let the world corrupt them. We need to refuse to let the world corrupt us. Uh, the parable of the sower and the weeds, it's um, we, some, uh, seed fell among uh, soil that had um, weeds and uh, fell among the vines. And as it grew up, it was proved unfruitful. And that means, yeah, this faith looks healthy, but it cares too much for the world. It cares too much for the thoughts of what does this person that I'm going to see on Sunday or this friend that I'm going to see on Monday think of me. And they care too much for that, that they actually grow up with a faith that has proved unfruitful, even though it looks good. Um, we need to keep unstained from the world, right? Jesus was sinless. We need to strive and work hard to actually follow his example. And that means rejecting temptation. That means those lonely moments where all you want to do is overeat or maybe have a drink or whatever. It's in that moment, I'm going to get close to Jesus. Uh, and it's sacrificial giving, right? Jesus is 
the perfect sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice. Um, and fundamentally, for us to go and visit people in their affliction, to go and break sin's power in families, we need to be like Jesus, and we need to stay close to the Father and stay away from sin and give sacrificially. That means getting past our fear, getting past our uncomfortability of saying, oh boy, that family needs help, like someone else should do it. Or, oh boy, those kids are rowdy, someone else should do it. It's breaking through that and saying, I'm going to get uncomfortable and I'm going to move forward. And uh, we need to see like Jesus does. I'm really challenged uh, reading through the Bible. It says, so quickly after Jesus met people, he said, I know what you've done. Go and sin no more, right? And uh, there's a temptation in the work I do to say, whoa, we're not going to tell kids about their sin. We're just going to live in close proximity with them so that they see Jesus through my life, right? And there's Jesus who, yes, perfect connection with God the Father, um, perfect ministry on earth, but he was willing to say, go and sin no more. And we need to be willing to say to these young people, uh, and sometimes to their parents, go and sin no more. You're called to live a better life. You're called to live a more full life. Um, we need to see like Jesus. We need to identify their affliction. We need to identify affliction in general and say, even in my small town, there's kids whose parents are not home. Even in my small town, there's this, this, and this. We need to Sometimes take the veil off our eyes and really try to identify the affliction that's so close to us. Um, we need to have hope, right? Ultimately, these are God's creations. I, you know, Paul says uh, in the Bible, I chief among sinners, right? Um, so we need to see that if I can be so broken, if I can be restored as a child of God, so can this young person in front of me. And we need to move forward with this hope that Jesus has. And then Jesus saw people with compassion, right? And what is compassion? It's a tear in your eye saying, wow, there's too much brokenness here for me. There's too much sadness here for me. And then action, right? There's too much sadness for me, but I will do something. There's too much drug use. There's too much swearing. There's too much... There's so many reasons for me to be uncomfortable here. And then action. Um, Jesus, uh, he said in John 10, uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. We see a lot of power of sin in the next generation. Um, the legacy of sin from grandparent to parent to them. Um, so much of the young person's life has been robbed, destroyed, and left for dead. They lose their self-worth. They lose their hope. And we lose our expectation that the next generation can know Jesus as well as we did. That the next generation can move in the power of God like we've seen. We lose our, our hope for the next generation. But as you get in their life, you find these surprises, okay? I get to t tell you the story of a student, and uh, I'm going to try and leave it as anonymous as possible for the students in the room. Uh, <laughs> um, 
But I have a student who has had a very hard time in his life. Older siblings who are very destructive, lives in foster care, and all he knows is to act in violence. All he knows is to solve problems with anger. Because when he yelled loud enough growing up, that solved whatever crisis he was going through at the time. And he's carried that into, really, a young adult's body in the high school. And uh, so from time to time, he has suspensions where he just isn't allowed at the school, or if certain safe people are, at the, are not at the school that day, he can't go. And uh, it's, it can, from the outside, look like there's no hope. <laughs> it can be just, okay, Jesus, you got this one. I can't do anything here. And um, so he was suspended recently, and I got to talk to him because he has joined our volunteer program. And what that means is uh, we work with the school to help kids get school credits uh, through volunteer hours at Flatland, right? Usually that looks like a really great group of kids who spend a lot of time just microwaving their friend's food over the lunch hour, right? <laughs> Our school doesn't have a great lunch option, and so a lot of students from, Flat, or from Landmark come to Flatland for their lunch break. And I was sitting there last year after just taking this job, like, as best I can describe it, throwing pizza pops at people and trying to microwave Pop-Tarts, and like, it was chaotic, right? One student or one adult, about 25 to 30 students, and everyone wants a snack, everyone wants their food microwaved, everyone wants this and this and this. And um, so there was a bit of an inherited program where we would work with the guidance counselor to help, to help students get school credit by volunteering. And this is a great opportunity. They come work for an hour, over 110 hours, they get a school credit. And uh, it was a good moment because I can say, hey, these four very trustworthy young men, uh, they are going to serve their friends. And that means I can walk around and I can have the conversa conversations and I can be the supervisor I need to be. Um, and then we have another side to the volunteer program where students who just are no longer in school full time. and I know that's what we're supposed to be doing, but we have an opportunity right now where I, as a trusted Christian adult in a dedicated Christian building for youth, can just talk to you openly about how you need Jesus. And he looks at me, he says, but I have Jesus. I was like, oh, but I have Jesus, and I'm not sucker punching people in the hallway, so we should talk, <laughs> right? And uh, he through that experience, it was eye-opening for me because there is a genuine longing to be in God's family, right? But there's so many traumas and 
things to break through along the way that he just can't really get there. And uh, that gave me hope when he said, but I have Jesus. And I was like, oh, dude, okay, let's talk about getting close to Jesus then. <laughs> if you know Jesus and if you know that he loves you, let's talk about getting close to him. And it was a really exciting moment because all this work that God was doing that I could not have been doing, that the Holy Spirit was doing on this young man's heart um, has actually provided results and there's been fruit in his life, right? Uh, and so we need to be like Jesus, see like Jesus, and then we need to be who Jesus asked us to be. So we need to go and make disciples. Um, we need to spend time with people who are not disciples and teach them to become disciples. And we need to speak truth to them, uh, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded, all that Jesus has commanded. And so for me, that looks like, let's go and eat. Let's have a bowl of noodles together. Let's, uh, you, if you know who Jesus is, stop punching people. <laughs> if you know who Jesus is, stop swearing at me. If you don't know who Jesus is, this is the hope. This is the wonderful hope. Uh, and we need to take care of the most vulnerable. And it's all really about moments, right? It's all about a breakthrough moment with a student. And that's why we try and be so busy at the youth center. That's why of, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night this week, we have dedicated events, as well as a whole bunch of other things going on throughout the day. Um, it's because we need to be in their lives enough to recognize a moment of affliction, go visit them in their affliction, and speak the truth and hope of Jesus. Um, it's moments where we see these students with hope and compassion, uh, where we have built up enough trust so that they can hear what we have to say, and trusting that what we're saying is what Jesus would want them to be hearing. And that's being led by the Spirit in our conversations. Um, it's moments where we're seeing them in their affliction and bringing the love of Jesus. But another story. And uh, it was a Friday night, and normally we've been closed on Fridays and all of these things. I was coming back from the city and grabbed mail at the post box at 9.30 or something, or 8 o'clock, and I was, I was like, oh, there's a check in here from a donor, excellent, I'm just going to go drop that off at Flatland, so I'm not carrying it around all weekend, because I don't want to lose it, and um, so I get there, I keep the lights off, I'm just dropping off a check, I go to, we have, it sort of looks like a bar, and I know that can be confusing, but we have basically a big service counter, and then there's a pool table, and a ping pong table, and couches, and all of these things, so we... I'm just ducking behind the counter to drop something off. And I look up, and there's this young lady knocking on the window. And I was like, it's like 9.30. Like, we've never been open on Fridays. This is strange that she would be here. Um, and it was sort of just after Halloween where we had, like, sort of that first snowfall. And so it was cold and not nice out. And so I go and open the door. I was like, hi, like what can I help you with? You know, like, I'm not here. I'm not really here right now, but what can I help you with? <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to be putting my kids to bed right now. What can I help you with? <laughs> and she's like, can I just come in for a second? It's like, oh, uh, yeah, you can come in for a second, sure. And she proceeds to tell me that she's been outside since school ended at 3.30. Um, freezing cold, no jacket, no gloves, you know, because kids don't wear enough clothes, even though they have them. And... Uh, 
she, her mom works in the city and was working till midnight that night or something. And on her walk home from school, she got there and saw her dad's car in the parking lot or in the driveway. And normally, when I got home from school and saw my dad's car in the driveway, I was like, oh, my dad is home. That's odd. He has two jobs. One of them is a pastor. So I'm going to run in and be like, hey, dad, what's going on? Let's spend some time together. It's unusual for her dad's car to be in the driveway because he doesn't live with them. And actually, there's a no contact order from the police that he's not allowed to be in her life, right? He lives in a town a few hours away and was actually there to pick her up, to take her back home because he, there was some kind of mental math where he thought it was a good idea for uh, him to be there, to spend time with her, and really not a good situation for this young lady. Um, and 9.30 at night on a Friday, she definitely won't be able to get home at least until her mom gets there at midnight. What do I do? I wasn't even supposed to be here. And so we just sat. And she got a free bowl of noodles because she hadn't eaten anything in six hours. And we have food, but it's not healthy food. So I gave her some of our junk food to, you know, to warm her up. And uh, we just sat until she could get a hold of one of her friend's moms and go and stay, spend time and have a sleepover at her friend's house, right? Uh, but she had been hanging out behind Flatland the last six hours trying to use our Wi-Fi to, because she could use her Wi-Fi to be in connection with her friends, to be like, when are you coming back to Landmark? Can I come over to your house? I have nowhere to go. And like, it's incredibly hard to hear that, right? Like, your mom is working hard, but not there when you need her. And your dad is not trustworthy enough for you to be around him. And you have no friends. You really, unless of the existence of Flatland's Wi-Fi network had no way of getting a hold of your friends. What does this child, 13-year-old child, do in this moment? And, uh, like, friends, that is sin's power. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, that is the affliction of generations on this young woman's life. And she got home safe, and it was a good, good ending. Um, but if not really for Flatland, and if not for the wonderful support of the churches in Landmark to provide a place like Flatland, I don't know what would have happened. And I don't want to scare you. Like, this is not the most regular occurrence. But this is helping all of us to identify affliction where we live. And what do we do with affliction where we live? That's my timer telling me to stop talking. What do we do with affliction where we live? We go and visit those who are missing pieces of identity in their affliction, bringing the love and truth of Jesus. There's a guy named Bob Goff, and this is where I end, so don't worry. Um, and he has this quote, and it says, in the life of Jesus, we get an example of how we're to live in the world. We know we're here to welcome people who look like strangers. We're here to offer places in our homes for those who have nowhere to go. We're here to be friends with the lonely, the ones who were told they weren't worthy of love. The Bible is constantly talking about caring for the widows and orphans, the most vulnerable in society. You don't actually need another Bible story or me to come and say this again. Um, you don't need something to discover the will of God in your life. Perhaps you need to simply do something. We all need to do something. Um, 
and we've seen some success, right? There's a great group of young men and women growing up in faith, willing to study that at Flatland, willing to share it at Flatland, um, but there's more work to do. In order to see every young person living fully in Christ, there's actual ways of success, right? We need to be saturated in prayer. There's a prayer email that goes out every Friday. Let me know if you want to be on it. Um, we need cared for and empowered staff and volunteers. I'm a missionary. Jen will be a missionary. Colson is a missionary. We have given up other careers in order to raise the money to go and do this kind of work. Um, we need landmark-specific youth programming. If you see a need, please tell me. If you see something, say something. We are primed and positioned at Flatland, at Youth for Christ Landmark, to try new things. In the last two months, we've started an alpha that's been really successful. In two weeks ago, we started a guys' night, and it comes again this Friday. And that, I had parents texting me, thank you so much, my son needed this, right? And all they did was throw Nerf balls at each other. But it was a good connection time, right? Landmark-specific youth programming. And then it's partnerships. It's partnering with you as you're led by the Spirit to pray. It's partnering with you to come and volunteer, to be in their affliction. Visit them in their affliction with the love and truth of Jesus. Um, yeah, I really, I want to say thank you. This church has been a long-time supporter of Flatland and Youth for Christ Landmark, and I really want to say thank you. And I want to say we're doing new things, too. Last summer, we did Life Skills. That's coming back bigger this summer. Um, there's going to be job shadowing. There's going to be lots of different opportunities just on the workplace side of things. There's critical care that we need to be engaging in. Young people who do not have enough food in our town. In our town, there's kids with not enough food. Um, there's many mentorship opportunities where you, as a trusted Christian adult, can be in somebody's life in a safe place like Landmark just to have coffee with them, just to share a Pop-Tart with them, whatever it is. Um, it would become impossible to see every young person in Landmark and the area living fully in Christ. It's not impossible without God. It's not impossible without the partnerships of the Christian community. Um, and there's just one more story I want to share. Um, it's from the Bible. So Joshua has taken leadership of the people of Israel, and uh, they're about to cross the Jordan, and God said, today I'm going to make you a really good leader in Israel. Today I'm going to make you a really, like, your name will be revered. It's going to be an awesome experience. You will be like Moses to these people. And so Joshua leads the people down to the River Jordan, and he doesn't have a way for getting across it, right? Any good leader would be like, oh, there's a river over there. I could see it from a few miles back. We should start building a raft. We should start finding a way to get across it, right? And what happened is they got to the river, and the first thing that Joshua does is he selects 12 men to say, you're going to remember, and you're going to make it so we remember what God is about to do, right? And he's like, you go, you go ahead of the ark, right? Carry the presence of God into the river, and as the river stops floods and backs up, uh, pick up 12 stones and carry them to the other side, right? There was, was not a leader who said, 
okay, I've got these strategies and these key ways for us to go and do this work that God called us to do. It was a leader who said, this seems impossible. God's about to do something. And I want to encourage you, like, as you face impossible scenarios, that is a place for God to do an incredible amount of work. As we look at the impossibility of seeing this next generation who are on their phones, who vape, who swear, who fight, who curse, as we look at the impossibility of like, how can those kids carry the presence of God? Well, we get ready to see the work, to see the work of God in action, and we get ready to remember it, and we get ready to foster it, and we get ready to walk with those kids after Jesus moves in their life. After this young man who says, oh, I know Jesus. What? You know Jesus? Okay, if you know Jesus, let's walk closer together, right? Um, That is the Holy Spirit work, and that is the work that only the Holy Spirit can do, is convince someone with so much trauma, so much pain, that Jesus loves them. And I, I want to encourage you. God is moving, and there's a tremendous amount of wonderful things happening, and we have the chance to partner with God as he does his work and as we look to see these kids grow up as dedicated followers of Jesus. Um, Thank you very much for having me. I uh, think I should pray. Can I pray? Yeah. Um, Dear Father, thank you very much for the people in the room. Thank you very much for um, for their dedication to follow you. Thank you very much that they surrender their lives to be led by the Spirit of God. And sometimes that means uncomfortable things, and sometimes that means hard moments and unfortunate goodbyes, and sometimes it means witnessing you move in dramatic ways. Father, I pray that you would move in dramatic ways in their life, in their struggle, and I pray that you would move in Landmark in dramatic ways, that we would all see and remember the good works that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.